Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. How are we doing? We good? Come on. We've got to have a responsive service this morning. This morning, my topic is joy. We're talking all about joy. So how can we talk about joy and be sleepy this morning with what we're doing? We are picking up in the middle of our series. We've got a few weeks left to go in the Songs of Ascent series up. Last week, we had Mark Ritchie, who's a bit of a C3 favorite. We had Glenn Balfour, another C3 favorite before that. Probably the biggest C3 favorite, Steve Campbell, the week before that. We have some really great preachers in this church. We really do. And I don't want to take it for granted that's a real gift that we have to hear from those people. I was sat at the back when Glenn Balfour was preaching going, oh my God, how has he made that link? What, like the theology that's in that, I, could even, I couldn't even hope to bring that sort of message. And I realized that when I say this, and I say this quite often, that it's a privilege to be up here on this platform. It's not just because we have some great speakers, although we do, but it's also... It's a responsibility that I'm aware of today, that I have the privilege of preaching today. So I am grateful for this, and I'm excited to preach today. This week, we're looking at Psalm 126. It's on the screens behind you. And I want to just start off by reading it, and then we'll pull some stuff out of it. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy, Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. I've been known to be a bit of a daydreamer. If you know me, you can probably testify that that's true. In fact, if you were to look at an old school report of mine and you didn't see, Josh is a lovely, lovely child, because I was a child. He's very capable, but he struggles with concentration. If you didn't see that on my school report, you'd be thinking, this is the wrong child. Who is this? In fact, I always interpreted that as, yes, the teacher was being lovely and saying, oh, isn't he lovely? But what they were actually saying, they were just kind of slyly communicating to my parents that Josh is just never paying any attention. He's constantly staring out the window, distracted, daydreaming. And it's true. I was. I was constantly staring out the window. I still do it now. I get stuck constantly daydreaming. But in fact, I love dreaming. I think dreaming is a bit like a superpower. I think it's a little bit like you can go into your own world, you can dream these situations that may be achievable, they might not be achievable. These kind of, you can go off into these realms of joy and having these amazing things because dreaming is amazing. Well, that's where we encounter the people of Israel. The very first line in this verse is, when the Lord restored the fortune of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. They were dreaming. They were dreaming. It was, they were in such a good situation that they were like, this is amazing. We're like those who dreamed. They were like me looking out the window in secondary school. To give some context, most research suggests that this psalm was written as they returned from captivity. For 
potentially from a place called Babylon, which is well documented within the Bible. So this is the Israelites on a high. This is them ecstatic. This is them supercharged, full of life, giving joy, hope, relief. They're just feeling amazing. And they're just like, thank you, God, for letting us come back. We're out of, we're out of captivity. We've got our freedom back. But it, it, it doesn't just stay there. It's not one verse and then done. No, there's a bit more to it. And as we read on to discover, there is some things that go along with this that we can really learn as we pull out stuff from this verse. So today, yes, we're talking about joy, but today I want my title to be is Who Stole Your Joy? Who Stole Your Joy? This is just some of the ways the Bible talks about joy. Repentance. Turning away from wrongdoing, changing your mind. In fact, it says in Luke 15, verse 7, there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. They say, it says it's a gift. It says a gift in the Bible. It's from the fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Joy results from knowing Jesus. It gives us strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It is a choice. We can rejoice even in trials. The word of God brings us joy. And we can rejoice even in suffering. I want us to be a bit vulnerable today. I want us to be a bit, you know, honest with each other. We should always be honest with each other, shouldn't we? I think sometimes, particularly within a UK context, we really suck at this. <laughs> I think sometimes we forget that we're saved. I think almost we forget to be joyful. We go into the motions and we almost forget about it. But I think it's an area that we must refuse to give up on. We must continue to grow in and develop in as a local church. I'm not looking around and just pointing fingers at all of you. I'm saying this is a local church, but this is also a global church issue. We need to remember the joy of our salvation. At times, even here, standing on the platform, I get the privilege of being on here fairly regularly, I can look out and I can look at people and think, where the, what, do they even want to be here? <laughs> the, where is their joy? Are they miserable? Is the joy, is the, we talk about this deep sense of joy, and we think joy is so deep down within them that they've almost forgotten it's there, it's kind of downtrodden so far that the joy is almost dead. Well, I think we can learn something from this psalm. It's okay to be happy. To be a Christian is not to be perpetually sad. It's not to be constantly downbeat. It's not to be downtrodden and disillusioned with the world. In fact, it, we can be so happy, it can feel as if we're dreaming. It can feel as if we're dreaming. How often do we allow ourselves just to bring thoughts into our mind of happiness simply because? Because God wants us to be happy. God wants us to be happy. We don't need a reason. Happiness is, is a good thing. But it doesn't stay there. Yes, happiness is a good thing. But we've got a bit more of the psalm to cover. Look at this next line. It gets even better for me. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. This is the pagan people, the people that believed in other gods, that worshipped other gods. Other nations surrounded them. They're saying, look at what God has done for them. Look at what God has done for them. 
Could you imagine if your neighbor came round, knocked on your door and said, God has done amazing things in your life. You'd take no. You'd think, what is going on here? God has really turned things around for me. Yeah, he, he, he has. You'd be surprised. Imagine if you go out in your garden this afternoon, if it's not raining, you're going to mow the lawn, and you hear John next door saying, number seven, Jesus has been doing amazing things in their life. And you're like, you know this guy, he's not a Christian, he doesn't believe in Jesus, and he's testifying of the goodness of God in your life. You'd be going, God is good. And that's exactly what happens. This is what happens next. There was a cause for celebration. The psalmist hears that, and he says, or she says, the Lord has done great things. The Lord has done great things for us. This is really important to really kind of short line in it. We don't dwell on it for too long, but it sets up a context for me. It sets something that's really important. They are saying, let's praise God. We're going to praise God because the next thing that comes is not praise, it's not goodness, it's not great things, it's something else. But we need to make a choice that no matter whether you're experiencing amazing stuff, high or low, God is constant. Therefore, we should praise him regardless. 1 Thessalonians 5 says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4 verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. It's not simply a nice idea, I'm not simply waxing lyrical, it's a biblical idea. Rejoice in the Lord always. I think this is a really important, significant moment in this psalm because they've established, we've established something that people are happy. They've taken note of what the pagans are doing and they're reflecting back what it is that they're hearing and they're reflecting praise back to Jesus. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Praise proceeds this next section that I've been alluding to. We're about to hear of their suffering their sorrows, but they take a moment to praise. I listened to a few different sermons as I was preparing for this, and one that I came across from a church in the US, this preacher took some time to try and explain the context of the uh, people who were living in the time of the Psalms, and this brought some real clarity for me, so I would hope to give that clarity to you. Imagine this, you've been held captive for many years, you couldn't return home, you were, it was horrible. Then when you returned home, you were ecstatic. You were full of joy. You were happy. But then you returned home and you realized there's work to be done. There are no crops in the field. There's no Tesco's or Aldi or any other equivalent supermarket down the road to restock the cupboards. In fact, the only solution is for you to go out into the fields to sow seeds and to wait for the harvest to come so that you could feed yourself, your friends, your family. If I'm honest, the first few times I read through this psalm, I didn't really understand it. I kind of thought, I don't quite get this. They're one moment praising God, and the next minute they're saying something else. They're saying, oh, my life sucks all of a sudden. What's, what's that all about? But I think I was missing the point. The prayer is this, God, return to us the lands that we used to know. Restore our fortunes. They're saying, God, we used to have this land that was amazing, but then we were taken into captivity. 
They're not saying, woe is me, my life is awful. They're saying, God, you've done it before. You can do it again. You can do it again. They're not complaining to God. They're praying to him. In the midst of difficulty and trial, they're saying, he's done it before. You can restore to us what we've known before. And it's as we begin to get here, we see the comparisons between joy and suffering, sorrows begin to appear. Has anyone here ever felt sorrow? Anyone? Anyone felt a lack of joy? Online, has anyone ever felt an emptiness? What did you do with your sorrow? What did you do with your sorrow? Tim Keller, a well-known Bible teacher based in, in New York in the US of A, says this about Psalm 26. 126. The metaphor teaches us that your sorrows, your tears, are like seeds, which when sown properly, reap joy. It is therefore possible that you could misuse your sorrows, that you could misuse your, that you could waste your grief. Your grief could be wasted. Picture this. We've just talked about a farmer going out into the field to sow seed. If he sowed it all in one place, he didn't wait, he didn't water it, he didn't treat it properly, he put it on bad ground, it's going to be wasted. It is possible to waste your sorrows. When we sow with tears, we reap in joy. That's what this passage is teaching us. Keller goes on to explain that joy is actually produced by sorrow. Joy is produced by sorrow. You might think that I'm on slightly dodgy ground here. You might think that this doesn't quite make sense. I'm saying you're using your seeds of sorrow, suffering, produced a harvest of joy. See, that's what the psalm talks about, that they go out sowing a seed in weeping, and they return in joy. As if somehow by sorrowing you will be a happier person as a result. Now this seems like a very strange thing to say. This seems really quite troubling, quite difficult. This is almost as if you're looking at me and thinking, I'm, is, this, is this the Bible? But it is, it's true, because we don't look to our sorrows to give us joy. We look to Jesus. We look to Jesus. Jesus was exact, exactly the example of this. Jesus took upon all our woes, our sin, our wrongdoing. He took upon the sin, the weight of the world, all our sorrow, and he died for it on the cross. When you sorrow, why do you think you sorrow? Do you suffer because we're guilty, because we're worthless? Because we should suffer? Because God is punishing us? No, we don't. Jesus took on our guilt and our shame on the cross. We no longer need to be punished. Jesus died for a punishment. Secondly, we aren't suffering in self-pity. Because we're in such dire straits. Because life is awful, life is horrible. No, Jesus suffered more than any one of us. He suffered not just physically, yes, it was horrific, the crown of thorns, the beating that he took, the cross itself, 
all that went with that. Yes, it was horrific. But not just that. Jesus died for the sins of the world. There's no comparison to that. You can't compare your sorrow to Jesus's sorrow. You can't out-suffer Jesus. He suffers so that we can one day live in eternity with him. Thirdly, we can suffer in patience because when it's over, we have produced a perseverance that isn't reliant upon us. It is reliant upon God. Look at this, what it says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 17. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We've won the victory. We're on the winning side. But then what is the point of this suffering? Again, Tim Keller, he puts it brilliantly. Patience in suffering puts us more, makes us more Christ-like. It makes us more Christ-like. And for me, that is basic Christian understanding. Anyone here remember kids' church? Anyone here remember going to Sunday school? When anyone asked a, a question, what was the answer? Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. It was always the same, and it's always going to be the same. Jesus is the answer. The answer is we're going to be Christ followers. We're going to be disciples of Jesus. We're going to be more like him. Therefore, I would suggest that there is nothing stealing your joy except you. There's nothing stopping you from experiencing joy except you. Remember this, joy is not based in circumstance. Joy is not based in emotion or feeling. Joy is not based in what you're facing. Look at this. It's not based in COVID, although it's horrible. It's not based in isolation. It's not based in fear, rejection, insecurity. It's not in hate, not in sickness, not in wealth, not in poverty, not in situation, not in death, not in mental health, nothing. Because joy is found in a savior. Because joy is found in Jesus. Not in a circumstance, not in anything we're facing. And that's not to dismiss that there's difficulty in trials. That's not to dismiss that there isn't pain, there isn't sorrow, suffering, mental health challenges, depression. In fact, it only points more to Jesus because of those things. And if you're facing difficulty, I'm not saying you just need to, you know, buck it up and you'll be fine. No, I'm saying Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. And that means that we have a choice. The Bible tells us that joy is a choice that we should be consistently making, that we need to choose to rejoice in him always. What does that look like? What does it look like? Well, I've heard this all growing up in the church, and I've always struggled with it a little bit. Maybe because I always try and think that can't be right, just kind of the nature that I am. But I'm not convinced that joy and happiness are all that different. We often hear teaching that happiness is fleeting and joy is this deep thing that we, we can't quite talk about. But I'm not sure if it's basically the inadequacy of the English language. 
Because when we use words, they have so many different meanings. You can say happy, and you can be a little bit happy. Or you can be happy, and you can be bouncing off the walls ecstatic, and you use the same word to mean it. Words are sometimes insufficient. But I want to encourage us today. When you get the chance, smile. Be contagiously joyful. Show joy, show happiness on the external of your appearance. Smile. Even now, you can smile back at me. It's okay. I've told you already, church can be a happy place. You don't have to be sad. We should encourage one another when we do things. We should be happy at the fact that we're here. You've made the choice to be here, so look like it. When the worship leader gets up on the platform, don't wait for them to say, raise your hands. Just raise your hands. Because we're not fighting anyone. We're just worshiping Jesus. We're not here for these guys to feel good. We're here for him to be praised and to be glorified and to be worshiped and to be put first. We've got so much more to be excited about than we have to be discouraged against. We've got so much more to be excited about than to be discouraged against. Say something kind just because you can. Be Christ in every situation. One of my favorite preachers is Margaret Stunt. We've had her in. She's based in Sydney, Australia now. We've had her in all, all, all through many different years of C3. And I've heard her speak when I was, I don't know, probably from about six years old through to now I'm 31. And she said in almost every single message that I've heard her preach, one single line, and some of you will be going, oh yeah, here we go. But it's this classic line. Sometimes you just need to tell your face that you're saved. You just need to tell your face that you're saved. Be full of joy. And I'm not saying that there isn't suffering. I'm not saying it goes away and that hardship is done with, dealt with because you smiled. No, I'm saying that joy isn't based in that. Joy is based in Jesus. He is our ruler. He is our savior. He is our king. We're going to worship together in a second. I'd encourage you, come on, let's stand in this place. Let's get ready to sing. One of the best ways that we can show joy is in how we praise God. So when we praise Him, let's not be people that are downbeaten, that are downtrodden, that just don't know what they're doing. Let's be people that worship Jesus because He's good, because He wants the best for us, that there is no one else like Him. So let's stand, even if you're online, I encourage you, stand. We're going to sing together. We're going to reprise that song, the second song that we did, All My Delight. Delight. Look at that song. It's as if they knew what I was preaching about today. We're going to sing about joy. We're going to sing about hope. We're going to sing about all of these things. And I'd encourage you, don't wait for them to say, put your hand up in the air. Do it anyway. Because it's not about them. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. He is our Savior. He is our King. He's our ruler. He's our reign. He reigns. So come on, let's get ready. Let's sing. Let's hand on over to the worship team. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.